Today, we have an exciting show. I brought in a phenomenal friend of mine, Amit Kumar. He's IIT Delhi alum, a Silicon Valley veteran. As you know, my show is mostly about entrepreneurship. And I invite Mavericks, meta entrepreneurs who are doing something exciting and something crazy, really pushing the envelope. This is Amit's third startup. We will talk about it. His previous two startups are very successful. Some of you may even know it. Amit, welcome to our show. Thank you, Sanjeev. Really glad to be here. I appreciate the introduction. So Amit, before we jump to the deeper and most complex question, tell us about your IIT life. What was your hostel? How was it? Anything interesting you want to share with us? Well, uh, IIT Delhi was obviously formative uh, for a lot of us who went there. Uh, college experiences, very, very formative. So did my bachelor's there. Um, a lot of... Uh, you know, roots of entrepreneurship really were founded there and started there. So, yeah, look back with fond memories to time society. Exciting, exciting time. So, Amit, normally when the show we talk about, we talk about people who made it really big, did phenomenal thing. They all look so perfect, like a picture perfect. Can you talk something about your own life where you felt or you think if you would have done things differently or those things, because you did it differently, you are here? Yeah, I think it's a good question. And uh, I've looked at the interviews you've had with people in this show uh, with interest over the last you know, many months that you've been doing it and really phenomenal people. In some sense, a good question for me to ask is why am I here, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the, among the big stars, I am uh, but a minnow uh, to mix metaphors. But the interesting thing in Silicon Valley is you use the term repeat entrepreneurs, serial entrepreneurs as a badge of honor. And I wanted to shift the conversation on that a little bit and point out that every person who says they're a serial entrepreneur uh, has something in the back of their mind uh, because no one wants to be a serial entrepreneur. Everyone wants to be a single short success. The badge of honor is that you don't have to do it multiple times, right? Uh, that you go uh, off school, uh, you know, you be the Mark Zuckerberg, right? The first thing that you do is an enormous success. Uh, but a lot of people don't know that uh, Facebook wasn't Mark Zuckerberg's first company. His first company was actually when he was, uh, you know, before Harvard, uh, he started something and built it. And then, of course, at Harvard, he uh, built, uh, you know, various uh, applications that eventually became Facebook. Um, so the thing that is interesting for me is to reflect back on the multiple companies that are done and what I've learned from them and what have uh, those successes or failures meant. Um, you know, Sanjeev, you were very... Uh, gracious in uh, talking about my two companies as being successes, but they were uh, not both successes um, from from a certain vantage point. Right? If you think about the first one that I started, you know, we it was my first company. Um, I raised some funding. Uh, I built it to a certain point, and it was a small business company. And we realized that you needed a lot more funding to be able to build up a small business uh, company from scratch. And we ended up. Uh, selling that to Yahoo, where I was able to take that product and scale it across, you know, millions of customers. So and success. Yahoo is small businesses. So success doesn't mean that you build a unicorn. Success means that have you created an impact? That's exactly Again, right. It's a very interesting term when people talk about success. To me, success is not like, oh, I have built a billion dollar valuation company tomorrow. Are you able to create an impact on billion people? Are you able to create an impact on even 100,000 small businesses? So to me, 
what you have done is phenomenal. Yahoo Small Business is really born out of the work you have done. And that's phenomenal. I think that's right. And um, there is a tendency to get stuck on some of these words and phrases we use in the Valley. And, you know, this show is going to get broadcast far and wide. So it's not just a Valley problem, but um, everyone wants that valuation. Everyone wants to get to a billion dollars in revenue. But the question is, how are you trying to make a mark, right? Like, how are you trying to take things forward? Maybe not make a, things better for a billion people, but maybe a thousand small customers, Absolutely. right? So what is it that you're looking for? And sometimes that success means that you align yourself with uh, sort of bigger partners, maybe a bigger company. And that's where things like acquisitions kind of make sense and, and, uh, and become relevant. So good question should be, Amit, is when you decided to sell your first company to Yahoo, is that a confession or is not a confession? Well, you know, uh, the, the, the confession is that I look back at that first company and always think about uh, if it could have been much bigger and should have uh, stayed on and built it as an independent company. Not um, just that. That's not my question. My question really is, we all know what happened to Yahoo. Mm -hmm. And it has changed. Yes. It's not what, when you sold your company to Yahoo. It was a mm -hmm. very different company. Imagine if that were Google, the product and the foundation you have built may have gotten to a different height mm -hmm. or you would have done it differently, find a different partner. That's what I am really alluding to. For better or worse, one of the, and you are a founder yourself, so you know this uh, very well. One of the superpowers of entrepreneurs is to keep moving forward because you know, entrepreneurs is hard, like things go up and down. Every so day. there's this, every day, there's this fine balance between looking back and coulda, woulda, shoulda, uh, mm -hmm. because if you don't look back, you'll make the same mistakes again. So that's the balance part of it. What parts of it do you take and don't make the make same mistakes again? So for example, from my first experience of a startup, we had a revenue in the first three months. I still have, a uh, picture of the, of the check we got from a customer of $100. My second startup, I forgot that lesson. And so in my third startup, which is the one I'm doing right now, I was back to, okay, that was the thing that grounded us, right? That didn't ground us in the second time I did a startup. So there is a fair bit of looking back and saying, hey, um, what lessons did you take? What lessons did you not take? But some of those things in terms of could it have been a better exit if we had waited and tried to sell it, sell it to Google? I think you're probably 100% right. Uh, but now that I'm thinking about it, this is probably the first time I thought about it because the goal for me uh, you know, became sort of moving forward and saying, this is what we got and how do we make it success, successful in this? So, uh, so it's, it's, it's an interesting question. Um, uh, and it's probably true that uh, we feel at that point, we could have become the next Shopify within Yahoo. Yeah, so when I look at even my own life, what I realize is picking partners mm -hmm. are very important. And that's the biggest mistake I find most of us do, we pick wrong partners. Mm -hmm. And that impact our growth, that impact our future, that impact the reality we could have created. Suggestion I have for our audience is be very careful when we book partners, because a lot of time we get an opportunity. 
I'm recipient of that and I've lost everything in 2004 because I picked the wrong partner. It was a I great opportunity at that time. I would have become like, you know, created $100 million company next day and all. But you know what? I picked the wrong partner. Now, yeah. it's, it's a related term. How do you do wrong? Because at that time, Yahoo was a phenomenal company. So how we decide what we should or shouldn't be do, do when we are in that moment. So that's a very interesting question. And that's what for all of our audience to decide what they should or shouldn't be doing in future. So coming back to the interesting question, which is what I'm waiting to ask. You started this new company called Dragon Fruit. And I'm still not able to understand why Dragon Fruit? Yeah, so let's start with the name. So we had this idea around creating a video, a company that focuses on video AI. Um, and really tries to focus on the enterprise segment, not sort of the small uh, business segment, medium-sized businesses, but what are the needs for the enterprise when they start deploying video AI? And we used to be called Project Codename. So for months, we were called Project Codename and trying to figure out a good name. And one day over lunch, uh, my son, who was 10 year old at that time, uh, he said, Dad, there need, there's an apple, there's a, there used to be a blackberry, so there needs to be a dragon fruit. Uh, which I thought was quite acute, but for a couple of months we riffed on that idea, and then we finally we said there's no better name because you know the dragon is the hot technology and the fruit is a sweet product, so it's a good combination of those two things. Um, and the focus for the company has stayed pretty much the same sense, which is to really focus on high technology. So how do you take, for example, people in retail? Mm -hmm. uh, and I know Sanjeev, you work with a lot of retailers. I mean, think about. Um, a large enterprise like a Kroger or a Safeway, they literally spend upwards of $150 million a year on slip and fall claims, right? If someone uh, slips on you know, orange juice or water, um, there's, there's huge liability involved, right? And you would think that this would be something they would be able to solve given that all of these video cameras that are installed in the ceiling. Uh, but the problem is that the, the AI that is required for being able to do it is extremely hard. You really need a strong team of ML engineers, uh, but even the deployment of it can be extremely hard because someone like Kroger has 450,000. That's right, 450, half a, a million uh, cameras installed. So how do you create a system that can well, scale at that level? 50,000 locations, but you're always pushing the envelope. I'm assuming this problem is solved by a lot of companies. Mm -hmm. What makes you really unique to solve this problem? Yeah, I think this is one of those things that uh, I mentioned before that all of us want to be a single time entrepreneur that make it big. Uh, one of the advantages, however, of being a serial entrepreneur is you can look back and see what are the problems with taking science into technology, into systems, into actual deployments, right? And so the uh, secret sauce for dragon fruit is actually the platform, not just the machine learning model. So uh, there are really smart PhD engineers in uh, universities across the world who have access to the data. Uh, machine learning is one of the disciplines uh, for people who are considering uh, employment opportunities and thinking about what they want to learn as a student. Uh, machine learning is one of the uh, fields are like open source where there's a lot of camaraderie 
in the in the discipline. A lot of people write papers, you know, post stuff on GitHub. Data samples are available, which really has democratized the discipline, which is amazing. But the flip side of that is that if you are a group that is sitting in Pretoria or is sitting in you know in a in Nairobi, you can build the science of it. But then the question is, how do you take it to a Kroger? I just keep that keep with that example, right? Someone has to create that pluggable platform where uh, create new ideas can snap in. And just like the Apple App Store really re revolutionized the, uh, you know, the artistic expression and the technical excellence of people around the world, you know, a high school student can create an app and make millions of dollars because they have a distribution channel. So Dragon Fruit is really creating that distribution channel uh, across the board for anyone who wants to be able to take these cool ideas, these machine learning models, and be able to deploy it at scale across customers worldwide. That's the power of the platform is what Dragon Fruit is bringing to the table. So let's talk about computer vision in particular. As a consumer, I walk into stores, I walk into gas station, I go to airports, casinos in Las Vegas. Every single place, there are so many cameras mm -hmm. and they are capturing my information. And we talk about privacy. So it's, I find it very interesting in America. We talk about privacy on one end and the other end, my privacy is being violated 100 times a day, if not 100 times, at least 10 times a day. Whether it is with my credit card transactions or my purchase from Amazon and everybody's watching all the cookies all the traffic comes to me. Where do you see this computer vision? Is it creating more challenges as a consumer for me? Or is it really helping me get better experience? Because when we talk about computer vision, we talk about consumer experience at the same time. If I'm in the store, a slippage uh, lawsuits is a different thing. As a customer, I want to get better experience. I walk in, I wanted to really understand product. I really want to understand where should I go? And we are all having problem of uh, shortage of people. Yep. COVID has shown yeah. us that there is a huge challenge. So where do we draw the line? I'm talking, this is a very complex mm -hmm. question. We are one on, we are talking about privacy and right. government. Other end, we are talking about experience. Where do we draw the line? That's my question, yeah. actually. I will take a almost contrary stance to a lot of tech companies because, uh, you know, when you look at European regulations like GDPR, or if you look at regulations in California with CCPA and so on, a lot of tech companies are uh, considered as sort of a nuisance and regulatory overreach and so on. Because computer vision is so sensitive, it because it is your inner face and so on, it's, it's, it can be really invasive. Mm -hmm. uh, I fall on the side of these regulations are necessary and Absolutely. important. And what has happened because of, uh, you know, some of them might be a little bit too, uh, you know, too obscure, but the basic, uh, sense of what it should be and what things we should focus on is right in the, you know, the heart is in the right place, as they say. Mm -hmm. So uh, what is starting to happen is because of those regulations, when you are doing things like, hey, I wanna count the number of people in my store, the regulations basically say, look, if you're just counting the number of people in the store, you really shouldn't be storing camera footage, yeah. right? Because as soon as you do that, the possibility of that being used for bad purposes sort of comes in. If people are being recorded, there should be a visible indication. So the way the platform works is we do some processing 
right where the video footage is is uh, created in other words at on premise if you will and only take the analyzed data in other words the numbers aggregated statistics to the cloud in other cases you might want to do more processing on the cloud but then again you know there's retention uh, parameters how long should uh, should you be allowed to uh, to store it so or being able to do an analysis so i think the the right yin and yang or like push and pull of the governments uh, worldwide and the private companies that are trying to further use cases is happening. And in the fullness of time, I think that's what starts to happen. And when facial recognition comes in, they're like, okay, like this is way too biased. People are not using a yep. good data sets. Uh, and that makes it uh, something that companies like ours say, hmm, that's interesting. If we create a model with an intern working for three weeks, it's not gonna be stable. It's not going to be good. It's going to lead to a backlash. Yeah. If we're going to do facial recognition, we got to work with companies that specialize in facial recognition. Mm -hmm. Same thing with weapon detection. You know, it, it the fact that there is this sort of push and pull between governance, the the governments and the private companies, uh, is I think that balance is what makes it all work. I understand from technology. I come from the technology world. We know technology can do so much. It's always about the application of the technology. And the way I understand technology today, it's almost to a point is, should I wear a ski mask when I go to grocery store? Should I wear a hoodie when I go to casino? Where do I draw the line in a casino? Casino wants to know everything and I don't want to tell them everything. It's a very, very interesting problem. Right? Yeah. At the same time, I want the experience. And that's mm -hmm. where the government comes, GDPR, to all the different regulatory bodies my problem, my concern is as a user, as a consumer, I have zero say. I'm assuming that retailers are doing what they are supposed to do. I'm assuming the casinos are doing what they are supposed to do. I'm assuming government is doing what they're supposed to do. How I can create or how I can control my own destiny? That is the question I have. So are we looking at in future a way where I will be asked this question, is it okay to track you or not? So for example, if I'm in an airport, I'm a completely okay and comfortable because it comes to, uh, the security comes at a price. So I get that. But in a retail store, I'll be very uncomfortable. Why do they need to know which aisle I go to? Because they will start bombarding me with those promotions. You're right. And I think for that reason, the approach that Apple is taking purely online, um, I think is a good one. And you will see that percolate offline as well. So just like Apple is saying, look, if you're an app that you want to track Sanjeev, great, ask Sanjeev, right? And as long as there's informed consent, we have no problems, right? Uh, if you are a GPS navigation company and you need to understand where Sanjeev is right now to be able to give, them, give him driving directions, exactly. great, ask him. And I think what's gonna happen, and this has started happening in Europe, UK is, uh, was early with CCTV installations, uh, if you go travel to Europe, which is, of course, hard with COVID right now, but there are very explicit, clear signs of surveillance and, you know, CCTV yeah, uh, no is in effect. There is no consent. So should I not walk on those streets? So I go, I right. go to London, I see all the cameras, I see the sign. What do I do with that? There is no yeah. control I have as a consumer. Uh, and yeah. I think that security, I guess, safety and security, you know, I'm going to say absolutely because I want to be safe when we talk about tracking for the COVID purposes, I'm completely okay. 
Yeah, I think what you will see is that there might be a set of stores, just to take that as an example, uh, that might have different kind of policies that are uh, that are displayed more actively, right? So, for example, you walk into I don't know any of these stores and their policies, but if you walk into Target, there might be clear signage as the education the customers becomes widespread, right? People know that they could be tracked, and so if you have a clear policy, we only collect you know count information, yeah. but do not track. Uh, using facial recognition, then that might even be something that becomes part of the brand, just like Apple has made it part of your brand. So I feel that that's the direction that we are going in. This technology is available. Blogger, podcaster, uh, Benedict Evans, he used to work for Andreessen Horowitz. Uh, he has a great blog. And I think uh, he makes this point you know, fairly regularly, which is you know, some of these things have become part of company brands. Apple has chosen to use that as their brand. They also have an ad network, by the way. It might be part of a brand of uh, stores or experiences. You walk into a Cartier versus a Tiffany. They might have different privacy policies, right? So, and might be well, uh, well articulated, but we are in early stages of this because the technology has only now started to appear where these things can be used in an egregious way. Um, but, uh, but you know, that's the push and pull. Anyway, uh, we can continue to talk about computer vision. We both are geek and we love talking about technology. Do you have any message for our audience? I think um, the amount of new technologies being, the technology being, being built right now, particularly in machine learning, is a unique opportunity because it is so open, so collaborative. Uh, the tools are in your hands. It reminds me of the early days of open source. Um, and early days of AWS, frankly, where you could create your own websites, and then before that, you could create your own code and uh, you know share with the world. Uh, machine learning is a great new uh, frontier, and I would encourage people to think of it more as a um, as something that they can play in, as a sandbox that they can play in, necessary rather than necessarily start a company in it, because new ideas uh, will come up from that exploration. So go explore is kind of what my request would be to budding entrepreneurs out there. So one app idea I want to give, just imagine you take the picture of your food and it tells you how many calories, how much fat and how much protein it has. So now all of you know that Sanjeev is in a fitness kick. That'll be a fun app, but it'll be a great app. I know, uh, honestly, uh, Samsung has invested millions and millions of dollars building that technology. They're still far from uh, reality, but it is possible in my opinion in near future. I think that would be great. I would use it. Amit, I wanted to really thank you for your time. It was really great talking to you. And I want to thank all of our listeners because of you, we have this show. Do send us your feedback on Facebook. We are looking forward to hear from you and uh, we'll keep bringing new and phenomenal guests like Amit and we'll talk about new coolest stuff. I appreciate the time. Thanks.